0: All right, grab a seat. If you were a kid heading off Kids World with Terry and Fernanda, uh, on your mark, get set, go. Heading down. You are welcome to stay in here the same way. If you're an adult and you want to go down to Kid World, you can go down there also with them. And uh, all right. All right, hey, anybody here have a cool radio like this? Jack, you had a cool radio like this, bro? You might, you just don't know yet, man. This is a cool radio. When I was going to Haiti, somebody thought I needed this emergency radio uh, when I was there, but actually I've used it more here. Uh, this is one of those special radios. It's got all kinds of weather you know, weather bands. It's got AM, FM, but, but listen to this, man. If you want to know where your weatherman is getting his info from, it's right here. It's on the, the weather band. Yeah, dude. This is this is. 76. What? Oh my goodness! This is a cool radio, and and when I turn it on, there's valuable information that comes out of it. And um, in fact, if you have hurricanes, you have storms. When everything's blown down, you can still get info off of this life-saving info that comes off of this weather radio if you've got it on the right band. So I got to turn it on, but man, as you can see, as it starts playing, it kind of sucks all the energy out of the battery. It starts kind of dying out a little bit. And so what has to happen uh, with this special radio is it has a little crank here. So if I take this uh, little crank right here, And I start cranking it, all right, what it's going to do here. Tom, what do you think is going to happen, bro? It is going to charge the battery. And this guy went to college to be able to tell me that, all right, man. He is a technological – he really, literally, he knows everything about all this stuff right here. It's going to charge the battery, man, but i got to crank it up. And as soon as I crank it up, watch what happens again. Look, there it goes again. But go ahead and tell me what you think is going to happen. If I leave it playing, what's going to happen again? The battery's going to get drained. And then what do we have to do in order to hear this valuable information again? Crank it up. We've got to crank it up. And so today, guys, I want you to know, read to me what it says up there. The power, the power is, is in the prayers. prayers. And then everybody throw it up and say, crank it up. Crank All it right, up. All right, are you guys ready? One, two, three. The power crank is in, in the prayers. prayers. Crank it up. Do you understand, guys, you are just like this man. You have valuable information as a child of God. You have the cure to death. You have the gospel living inside of you if you are born again. And the only way that gospel is going to get out is through believers, through the foolishness of preaching. That's the way God has designed for the gospel to get out. But man, you know that when you start sharing the gospel, when you start preaching, when you start proclaiming God's goodness and his love and his power and helping people see life from his perspective, what happens is you receive pressure to quit. It's called persecution. And whenever we get persecuted, what do we do next, Natalie, when we're persecuted, when there's pressure to make us stop? We pray. And guess what prayer is? Prayer is cranking it back up again. And when we crank it up, then what happens? The Bible says we receive power from the Holy Spirit. You get power from the Holy Spirit. What does that power cause you to do? To preach, to proclaim it again. So here's the cycle that we're looking at, guys, in the book of Acts, and it hasn't changed even this day. The, The cycle is this, that when you receive Christ, you receive power from the Holy Spirit. And the power, when you get that power from the Holy Spirit... He now causes you when you are full of the Holy Spirit, you are caused to preach, to proclaim his message, to share that good news with people. You can't help it. Now, can you help it when you're full of the spirit? You can't keep your mouth shut, can you? But if you can't keep your mouth shut and you keep proclaiming God's goodness, trying to help people see it from God's perspective in this world that we live in, there is pressure to be quiet. There is pressure to stop other places in the world. The pressure is a little more intense and it is called persecution. There are people dying right now because uh, they are sharing the gospel all over the world. There are people dying literally because they have shared the gospel of Christ. We simply just have a little bit of pressure on us. Somebody's not going to like us. Somebody's going to go find another group. Somebody, somebody's going to shun us. Somebody's going to talk bad about us. There's pressure on us. But the fact is. Is when you're full of God's power, you can't help but preach and tell people what he's doing in your life. And when you do that, that pressure is going to come for you to stop. And guess what? For some of us, including me, sometimes we, what do we do? We stop. Man, we stop. And then we're miserable because what we've been created for is to be able to share that word. And so the missing link, again, is what? What's the missing link that's going to put power back in our life again? It's prayer. So help me out, guys. The power is in the... prayer. Crank it up. All right. And um, that's it. We've got to crank it up. So let's take a look and let's see what's going on in Acts chapter 12. That's where we're at right now. Because the pressure is now intensified again on the first century Christians. Um, they haven't had a lot of intense press, uh, persecution and pressure since Stephen was martyred. But they saw that kind of backfired on them When Stephen got martyred 10 years prior to this chapter 12, you know, and that kind of about you know, 8 to 10 years prior to that, what kind of happened was is there was more pressure. But, but what that pressure did was it spread Christianity around. And so they saw that, man, that's not really doing it. So there was some persecution, but man, it's getting ready to ramp up in Acts chapter 12. And take a look what happens now. In verse 1, it says, now about this time, about the time that the Jews now have the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Samaritans now have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Gentiles all have it. Everybody's got it. And so everybody gets comfortable. How many of y'all get comfortable? You get comfortable, and you're comfortable, and you're like, dude, I don't want to do anything to mess up my little comfort zone. Is that anybody here? Yes, that is all of us, man. So what does God have to do if he's got something inside of you that he wants out? What's he got to do? He's got to squish you, man, and explode what you got inside all out. And that's what he does for us spiritually. So the church is comfortable. The Jews are getting saved. The Samaritans are saved. The Gentiles are, but they're in this little area, and God's got the rest of the known world to get the gospel out to. And so what he's getting ready to do is he's getting ready to put some pressure on Christianity at this point. And the purpose of him doing that is not to destroy Christianity, the purpose is not to destroy the believers. The purpose is to make the believers stronger and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it says, now about this time, Herod. Now we've been hearing about Herod since we since Jesus, man. And, and the guy that actually killed all the two year olds back in the day after Jesus was born, this was this Herod's grandfather. Man, um, there's so many Herods and all the Herods have been straight from the pit of hell. They've been evil. And this particular Herod, the grandson of that Herod, he stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Now, the reason he was doing that is because the church was growing and Herod was in charge of all the Jewish territory there. And so this was a political move on his part. He he saw the Christianity was growing. He saw the Jews didn't like the Christianity that was growing, the ones that weren't becoming born again and and he was an Edomite which was half a Jew and he was trying to rule the Jews and he was trying to what can I do to make myself popular with the Jews and and secure my position as a leader so he thought that maybe I'll start harassing the church because they're pretty ticked off at this Christian thing that's going on right now the Jews are and so what he did he started harassing the church to gain popularity with the Jews so understand when he persecutes the, the church, it's not like the Apostle Paul persecuting him when he thought he was right before he got born again. This dude is doing it for only one reason. It's for political power. He's doing it to win favor with people. And, and man, what a sad thing. It's one thing to stand up for something because you believe it, but it's another thing to stand up for it just so that you can win favor. And man, don't ever fight God. So it goes on and says the king stretched out his hand and harassed some of the church. So look what he did. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. He killed James, the brother of John. James and John, Peter and Andrew, the first four big disciples, the main ones. James gets killed with the sword. And we look back into Leviticus and you look back and see why he was killed with the sword, how he was killed that way. And you see it was because he was introducing false gods to the Jews. And that false god, according to them, was Jesus. And so he killed him with the sword. And what that means is being beheaded. And so he did that. And just for popularity, how many of y'all would like to just be beheaded so somebody could be more popular? You know what I'm saying, Karen? Oh, come on, man. No, don't touch the hair. Don't touch (laughs) it. I got it, man. I got it. I got it. And I believe, yes, that would would be detrimental. But that's what he did. He just killed James. All right, I'm going to kill one of the main apostles, the main dude. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't you think if you're serving God, if you're worshiping God, if you're serving him with your whole heart, that you'd be protected from junk like that? Wouldn't you think God would keep you from getting your head cut off? Well, he would if it's about this life. It's not about this life, guys. We talk all the time about these four colors, about the, about the gospel in here. And uh oh, do I not have one in here? Uh, does anybody have a card? Anybody got a got a card? Oh, you got one, Natalie. Oh, Natalie, come on up here. Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't plan it out that way, but in this card, it's not about this life. All right, so now hold that card up, man. Right on. That gold in there represents what? Where's your home, Natalie? Your home is in heaven. How many of y'all got a home in heaven, man? And you know that your home. This is not your home. It's our home is in heaven. We're here temporarily and the only reason we have a home in heaven is because some things we're taking care of. What's that black on there represent, Natalie? Your sin. We're born as sinners. We come to this world as sinners to only please ourselves and not please God. And so God says there's a penalty for sin. The wages, what we earn by sin, is a free trip to hell. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. And so we have a home in heaven, but we had sin standing between us and that home in heaven that God wants us to be in. But we could, could you cover your own sins? No. There was any way. You tried to recover your own sins? I tried. Were you a good liar? Were you a good actress? Were uh, you good? yeah. Yeah, you tried to cover your sins, but it didn't work, right? No. You even tried going to church and doing good things? Did that cover your sin? No. There's one thing that covered your sin It's represented by that red on that card, which is what? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Jesus came and lived a perfect life on this earth, never once sinned, so that when he died on the cross, he was sinless and he could be the perfect sacrifice for us, correct, Natalie? Correct. And and so so now that was it. Christ died on the cross, and now you're all of a sudden got home in heaven. or Was there anything you had to do? No, he left me here. Yeah, he left you. But but did you? Were you born? Born again? Were you born? Oh. No, you had at some point. God gave you the desire and ability to believe what I'm saying right now. Right. How many of y'all believe what I'm saying right now? Anybody here believe that? And you know what? To the world, that's foolishness. It says in 1 Corinthians, it says it's foolishness to those that don't believe that God was going to save people through the foolishness of preaching. But you believe this, what the world considers foolish, because God gave you the desire and ability to, right? To believe that what Christ did on the cross, if you'll surrender your life to him, he'll apply that to your life. Do you believe that? I believe it. And you still believe it? Yeah. And how long have you been living that now? Um, it's about three years. And you still believe it? Yeah. Is it work? <laughs> Yes, it still works. And he gave her the desire and ability to believe that. And wouldn't it have been awesome if he would have just taken you to heaven when you got saved? Yeah. It would have been. How many of y'all could dig heaven right now? Yes, this is close. But heaven right now, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more problems, no more anything. But it's not about this life. The green tells us why we're here. And it's to grow more. More in love with him. With him. Through everyday circumstances. So as we grow more in love with him, we grow more in love with others. others. Yeah, give Natalie a hand, man. I I did not even know I was pulling her up here today, all right? But Natalie, that was awesome. But that's the thing, is that it's not about this life. What we're about right now, once we've given our life to Christ, is the green right here. And the job in this green is that he's going to give us power. As he gives us power, we can't help but preach. And as we preach and proclaim what he's doing in our life, there's going to be pressure to stop. And the only way we can overcome that pressure is to what? Pray. To pray. And then it starts all over again. How many of you ever prayed, God, just please leave me alone. God, please let me just have some peace. God, please, I've had enough right now. God, let me just crawl in here and rest. And you know what? God doesn't know when to rest you and he knows when to test you. But you're not here for that. He's going to charge your batteries, fill you with power. He's going to give you more situations that the world calls trouble and turmoil. You're going to listen to him. He's going to get you through it. And the world's going to say, man, how did you get through that? And what are you going to say? God. Yeah, it was him. And that's the purpose. That's where we live right now. So you know what? Why did God let James die? Why did God let James get his head cut off? Is God a mean God? No. Dude, let me ask you a question. When James got his head cut off, where would he go? Heaven. Do you think James got there? I don't know if he's holding his head. I don't really know. He's a glorified body, whatever. Do you think when James got there, he's like, dang, man, send me back to Rome. Where (laughs) 75% of the people are slaves. Where we're getting persecuted. Or was James like, yes. (laughs) What do you think James said? Yes. Yes, because his home's not here. His home is where? His home is in heaven. So we look at this and we're like, oh no, James got killed. And James is like, yes! (laughs) We got it backwards, folks. We've got it so backwards. Now, I'm not saying we go out and get ourselves killed or none of that. Because you know what? If it's your time to go, there's no army in the world that can protect you. And if it's not your time to go, there's no army in the world that can take you out. I'll guarantee it. It's all by God's design. But don't get it backwards. So James, a brother of John... Man, they killed him with the sword. That's good for James, but who's it bad for? The rest of the Christians there, because it's like, oh man, that's gonna hinder our ministry here. You know, that's gonna hinder what we're doing here. And so look what happens next. And because he, Herod, saw that it pleased the Jews. Oh, dude, we cut Karen's head off, and they like, dude, let's go, let's go right on to the next one. And so he said, Who can we mess with now? And, and not only get me popular, but maybe even just squash this whole Christian thing. Who's the most important human Christian at this time? Peter. Peter. Yeah. And so he's like, hmm. You know what? So he proceeded further to seize Peter. He seized him. He put him in a, in a headlock. And he's like, and that's my daughter, by the way. All right. <laughs> and I've never done that to her before, have I? Never. No. Haven't. No. But he seized Peter. And and he didn't want Peter to get away. He's like, I'm fixing to kill Peter. I'm fixing to be the most popular guy around because all he cared about was his popularity because his life is here. It wasn't there. And all he cared about was that popularity. And then so he sees Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So here's what happened. It was the Passover, which is one, you know, the Passover. And then for a week. In celebrating God, getting them out of Egypt, and the fact that they had to leave so quick, they couldn't let their bread rise, and they had to be ready to move, and they could forever teach their children all about Passover, and God delivering them from Egypt, they were now getting ready to celebrate this for a week. And so he said, well, you know, I'm going to show them I'm a good Jew, so I'm not going to kill them during Passover. But I have all these people from all over the world here in Jerusalem, and man, I am going to put on a show at the end of Passover. So I'm going to keep Peter secure in prison until Passover's over, and then, buddy, we're doing the same thing to him. And I think that's going to do a pretty good job of squishing Christianity. So all the Jews are going to love me, and the ones that aren't born again, and, man, I'm, uh, you know what, going to be a hero because I did it. And that's the reason he did what he did, so he could be the hero. It was for his glory, not God's. But don't ever fight God. So check this out. Hey, does anybody remember what happened the last time he arrested Peter? You remember he arrested Peter, and Peter was in jail, and anybody remember? He walked out. He walked out, dude. He walked out. He escaped. So do you think Herod's now remembering that? Yeah. It was kind of embarrassing. He's like, now I'm keeping him for a week. This dude is not going to escape. So look what he does. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison. Well, he did that before. And delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. I like the King James has something like quarternoins. It's basically four groups of four soldiers. There's going to be 16 soldiers in charge of watching Peter 24 hours a day. So here's what happened. There would be two guys chained to him, one on each side and two at the door of the prison. Four guys. And then in six hours, so that they would stay fresh, he was going to change them out. There would be another two chained to him and another two guarding it. And so, dude, if you were chained, Jack, you're chained to two Roman soldiers and you got two guarding there. You got any hope of getting out, bro? That would be a little tricky. No, dude. I'm sitting there. I'm already talking to Jesus saying, Jesus, all right, so what are we going to eat when we get there, man? Dude, can I hang out with James? (laughs) You know? I mean, he's probably thinking. But you know what? Peter's not thinking that. Because you know what? Right before Jesus ascended, the final time, when Jesus finally ascended, remember, does anybody remember what he told Peter was going to happen? You can speak up. Anybody remember what he told Peter was going to happen? He he told him how he was going to die. He told him, and and, and it's in the last chapter of John, if you want to look it up later, he told him, you're going to be stretched out. You're going to be stretched out. So he's told him he's going to be crucified. And by the way, Peter didn't think it was worthy of him to be crucified the way Christ was. So he insisted he was crucified upside down when he was crucified. But Jesus told him at his ascension. He said, Peter, you're going to live to be an old man. Is Peter an old man right here yet? No. Peter's remembering the time that they got in the boat. And Jesus said, hey, we're going to the other side. You know, we're going to the other side. And they got in the middle of the storm. And they're freaking out. We're going to die. We're going to die. And, and, and Jesus like, no, because I told you we're getting to the other side. Peter's remembering all these stories and he's remembering at this point, dude, I'm not dying a young man. You know what? Chain me to the prison, take me to the guards, put guards in front of me. I am not dying. I'm too young. It's not my time to die. Go ahead. I don't know why you got me here, God, but you got me here. and We're going to see what happens. Peter was counting on God's promises that it wasn't his time to die. And if it's not your time to die, you got worry about dying. Yep. No, how many of y'all is it your time to die right now? No, you're not. So you have to worry about that right now. And and besides, if you did, if it was your time, would worry and do anything about it? No. So Peter, check this out. There, this this uh, Herod has got two guys chained to him on each side. Two out here, and they were going to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. And buddy, they were going to put a show on. Verse five. Peter was therefore kept in prison. What's the next word? Oh, everybody, tell me. What's that next word? This, oh, I love that word in the Bible. But this is the turning point in this whole story. But look what it is. Tell me the first part. Constant church. was offered to God for him. by the church. Okay, now all of you, all right? One more time. Constant Amen. prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And look at that, man. That is key right there. All of those things. This is what the church did. The church said, it's not time for Peter to die. Man, and if Peter dies, he's our leader. And man, we just don't believe it's time for Peter to die. Now, what would give them, why would they, who would let them know it's not time for Peter to die and give them the desire and ability to pray? Who would do that? Yes, God, the Holy Spirit of God that God put inside them. They're suffering some persecution, some some pushback to to pressure to not preach and 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 they pray and they receive power and part of that power that you receive is faith the ability to believe what god but i want i don't want you to miss this where they got this notion it wasn't just like oh peter can't die because we would so miss him you don't get to pick what to pray about you can pray about whatever you want but you don't get to pick what god's going to do you don't get to, man, I mean, think about it. Okay, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Laura, I got to bring it up, but Florida was playing TCU last night. Texas Christian University against the University of Florida, all right? Now, I'm not saying there's not Gators. We know kids on that team, right, and all that. And I know you're trying to forget all about baseball right now. All right, but, but the thing is, man, Florida won two to nothing. Now, is that because the Christian kids at TCU weren't praying? They'd, there was no Christian. What if TCU <laughs> prayed, oh, dear God, please let us beat that heathen school, those gators. <laughs> please let, God, you know they're the number one party school. Let us beat them, and we'll do the testimony. And God, how many of you ever prayed for your favorite team, and they lost? <laughs> Is it, you remember when the hurricane came? And in the middle of the night, the hurricane, Matthew, with Category 4 winds, The Category 4 winds missed us by 30 to 40 miles. And you remember in the middle of the night, Hurricane Matthew taking a jog to the east at Freeport, 30 to 40 miles to the east. So we just basically had, and everybody's like, well, dang, I ain't putting shutters up next time. Well, you go ahead and don't do that. I am. But because you can't always count on that. And we were like, yes, it's because we were praying. Well, what about the people in St. Augustine who got raped by it? The people in St. Augustine who got the whole town flooded by it, were they not praying? Yes, they were praying. Man, we cannot change what God is going to do. What prayer does is it tunes us up to what he's going to do. It lets us know what his will is. And you pray how God's spirit lays on your heart to pray. Man, otherwise TCU would have beat the Gators last night because they're Christian and the Gators are not. No, just joking. (laughs) But seriously, in this, guys. How did they where did they get the desire to pray Peter out of jail? And why didn't it work when James got arrested? Were the prayers not good enough? They needed some practice on James so then when they got to Peter, they could actually pray him out. No, you see, God does different things for his glory. It's for our good and for his glory. He gets to choose what happens. How many of y'all have had a tough time? You've had a, a tough situation that was necessary in your life to bring you closer to him. Almost every single one of us. We don't ever want to see that happen. And I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we get our prayer requests from the Holy Spirit of God. Not from our own desires and our own wills. I want to pray what God wants me to pray for. Not what I think is supposed to always happen or what my desires. I want my desire to be his desire. So Peter was kept in front, of, but constant prayer was offered to God. For him. How did they know to pray for him that way? Because that was the prayer the Holy Spirit put on their heart. So let me ask you a question. What's the prayer the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart? When's the last time you sat and you begged God and you were on your face before God and you were begging him and saying, God, how do you want me to pray for this? God, what do you want to happen in this? Or how many times is our prayer nothing more than God? Here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. God, here's what makes sense to me. How many of y'all have been blown away by God doing something that didn't make any sense? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a testimony? When he did something you could not even think about? You couldn't even come up with your mind. I'm just telling you, the prayer that God answers is the one that he's going to answer. And you're not going to know what that is until you go to him for that. So it's important here when you see that they prayed for him. They prayed specifically. And, dude, if God prays specifically that you get such and such a server at Sonny's and she gives you two legs and one thigh and no beans and coleslaw. I mean, dude, pray for that. I'm just saying whatever specifically God tells you to pray for, you pray for that. But make sure you get your prayer request from God. You can start with what's in your heart. But don't be so hard and rebellious to, to be mad when God doesn't give that to you. When he's trying to tune your heart and change your heart to make something else come out. Because, man, you know what? If that's the way you pray, man, they messed up with James. They didn't pray hard enough. They didn't pray right. St. Augustine better take some prayer lessons from us next hurricane. That ain't the way it works, guys. God gets to choose, and we may not understand why he did what he did until it's way over in eternity, and we all sit and we watch God flicks. We're like, oh, that's why you did that in my life. Yeah! But right now it seemed like the most horrible, senseless thing in the world. That's why people get mad at God, because they think they know what should have happened and God didn't do it that way. And they're ticked off. They put everything they had into that. They have prayed constantly. Look at this first part, because this is another key in having God answer your prayers. You got to have being constant prayer. This word constant, it means to be stretched out. Now, anybody short like me, Amy, you know, and uh, uh, you ever have to stretch to get something, you know, because Tom's not around. And you're totally stretched out. There's no more stretching to go. That's what this word constant means. You're stretched out in prayer. You are constantly praying, man. You are, you are praying with everything you have. In fact, it's the same word that's used when Jesus was praying in the garden to say, God, you know what? I know you can do anything. And God, if you would like to save the world a different way than me being separated from you, God, go for it. And you remember when Jesus was praying, Luke talked about how there were drops of blood coming out of sweat because he was praying that earnestly. When's the last time you prayed that earnestly for something? I don't know about you, but here's what I'm guilty of. It's like I'm guilty of like, okay, that's enough. I can hear it. I can hear it. It's good enough. All right. And then guess what happens? Oh, wait, wait. I got a little light here. I got got a little light here. Okay, people can see my light. I prayed for a little bit. But but guess what? Oh. The power went away. Man, you know what God wants from us sometimes? You know why he gives us such situations? Because he wants us to do this. And you know what? When I get tired of praying and I get tired, here's what I'm going to do. I'm passing it off to Milton right here. Milton, keep going. Come on, man. We need the prayer. We need the power. And I'm tired. And that's called intercessory. Milton, are you tired yet? Give that to Susie, all right? And and just keep passing that around because we can't. Can we ever stop? If I stop, I run out of power. And that's why we pray for each other. That's called intercessory prayer. So look what happened. The church had constant prayer and it was offered to God for him by the church. Look at this other part. They prayed. Who did they pray to? They prayed to God. Doesn't that sound like just duh? But how many prayers have you prayed really to kind of yourself? How many of you prayers have you prayed? Alright, I think we're good now, bro. We don't, I think we're charged. I prayed that up. You think so, Gary? You hang on to that. You let me know that somebody, But listen, man. But listen, in this, in this, how many prayers have we prayed not to God? How many prayers have you caught yourself just simply talking to yourself? You know, here's what I like to do when I pray is I like to start with God and I like to get into his presence. When I pray, you hear me a lot of times when I pray, I'm thanking him for the ability to pray. That the only way I can even have access to him is because I am saved, because I have the blood of Christ covering me. I thank him for that access, and I start thinking about the access I have. Thanking for that sacrifice on the cross. Thanking him for giving me the desire and ability to, 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 to accept that and have him cover me. You remember the Old Testament, we've just been studying. Every one of our small groups, we've been studying that in the holy place, there was a holy of holies, which is where God's presence was. And what was separating the holy place from the holy of holies, Carl? The veil. And in the Old Testament, who was the only one allowed to go past that veil? The high priest. And how many times a year could he go, Carl? Once. And on his garment, we know they had bells and they had pomegranates. And history tells us they tied what around his leg? A rope. Because if you were the high priest, Carl, and you went in and they didn't hear, Val didn't hear bells anymore. Now, Val, you going in after him? Not a chance. He's down. I'm yanking him out because his sacrifice probably wasn't acceptable. But let me ask you a question. What is the only acceptable sacrifice all the time? Christ, the red on here, what Christ did. And so when I start prayer for me personally, I want to get into the presence of God and I want to thank him and talk to him about that. And then I'm now with God. And I want him then to direct my prayer life and show me what to pray for. Yes, it's biblical for me to tell him what I feel and tell him what I would like and all of those things. But my goal in prayer is not to have a Santa Claus God that I get him to change his will because he's not going to. My goal is to get in tune so that I want what he wants. It's not about getting what you want. It's wanting what you get and getting that from him. And so look at this, man. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So let's see how that worked out. All right. So they were they were praying. That's where the power came because, Jack, you're chained to two soldiers, right? You got two soldiers of guard. What are you going to do, man? Start praying. That's it, man. You're going to start praying and, and probably be praying. Hey, Jesus fixing to see you, man. Hey, send me a place next to James. <laughs> you know, he's pretty fresh. there new. Maybe he can show me around. I don't know. You know, but how many of y'all at this point in Peter, if you were Peter, would have a lot of hope that you were going to escape? Many of y'all have hope that you're getting out. Only Peter, probably because he remembered the promise that he had from God. So look at this. When Herod was about to bring him out, isn't that how God does it? When he was about to bring him out. How many of you have been in a position where it's about to go down and then God rescues you? It's about to totally mess up and then God comes to rescue. That's my God. Why does he wait till the last moment to do it? So that it's spectacular. I mean, it's just because he wants to get the glory in all of it. And he's stretching us. He's teaching us to trust him. So when Herod was just about to bring him out, that night, Peter was, oh, he was biting his fingernails. He was whining. He's like, I knew I should have never gave up the fishing business. I had it good. My dad bought me a new boat. Oh, shut up. Why did I follow him? I'm fixing to die tomorrow. What good is all of this? He left us, man. He left us. He said he was going to be with us, and now he's gone. He's somewhere. I mean, how many of you all think your faith would have been waning just a little bit that night? Anybody? Look what he did, man. When Peter was about to bring or Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was what? Yeah, dude. Sleeping. How many of y'all would have been sleeping? And not because you had a (laughs) zanny, Not because you had a drink. Not because you did anything. How many of y'all would have just been sleeping because you had peace from God that passes all understanding? That's faith. That's what happens when you When you see life from God's perspective and you have brothers and sisters in Christ that keep helping you see life from that same perspective. Peter was sleeping and he wasn't sleeping in depression to try to escape it. He was sleeping because, dude, what else am I going to do with these guys right here? (laughs) You know, I've already shared the gospel with them. I mean, I'm sure he had done that. If they were chained to the Apostle Paul, which we'll see later, dude, they would have been preached at for 24-7 like if they'd have been chained to me, right? You know, I would never shut up. <laughs> but some of you would be like, well, I did my thing. Let's sleep. And he was in peace. Isn't that amazing? Next time you're freaking out over something that's going on, man, think about this previous verse. Uh, the previous verse that we looked at that about the constant prayer offered to God for him by the church knowing you have people praying, knowing that you know the mind of God, knowing that God's got this worked out. and guess what? instead of freaking out and worrying, you might just be resting in it, waiting for God to do his thing. He was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison, so there they were. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and the light shone, a light shone in the prison. All right, a light, man. Who who do you think the light is? Who's the light always? It's God, the Shekinah glory of God. God always manifests himself in that light. And the light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter. Hey, he struck Peter on the side and raised him up. So how sound was Peter sleeping? Yeah, dude, the angel had to go, get up. (laughs) Anybody lived with somebody like that? (laughs) Get up. All right. Peter was just down, man. He was out. So those of you who sleep sound, just tell everybody that's spiritual, man. It's all good. He's sleeping. So much so, the Shekinah glory came, probably knocked the guards out and all of that. And Peter, he had to strike him on the side. And look what the angel said. Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Hey, Jack, is that something you could have done? No, but could God do it? What can God do? Anything. Anything that he desires to do. There is nothing God can do. God can, God can do anything. But goo gets to choose what God's going to do. God does. God does. And He does he always do the same thing? No, that's when we get in trouble. Look through scripture. Whenever anybody expects him to do the same thing he did before, man, that's when they get burned. Dude, God's fresh. He's new. He's powerful. He's way smarter than us. And so guess what? The chains fell off. Here it is. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. I think that's kind of interesting. Because couldn't, couldn't, uh, yeah, he had to put on his clothes. That's what gird means. <laughs> you know, put on your clothes and put on your shoes, all right? Uh, couldn't the angel have done that for him? Couldn't the angel have just like said, boom, now you're all dressed? Uh, you ever notice that when God does something, he's got something for you to do also? He's got something for you to do, something practical for you to do. God does some miracle things, but he's got something for you to do, something practical. And you know what I was kind of thinking? I was reading about this the other day. Um, Peter had to put his shoes on, you know, and he's half asleep putting his shoes on. You know what I'm thinking? From there on out in Peter's life, every time he put his shoes on, what do you think he thought about? This miracle. This situation. Man, whenever God's asking you to do it and let him do his job, you do yours. So he said, put your garment on and follow me. That's, Peter heard that before. Follow me. Hey, when you're following somebody, do you know where you're going? Do you know how it's going to end up? Angel could have left him right the you know, Herod and start witnessing to Herod and Herod. What? You know, could have, he, you don't know. But that's all he's ever asked us to do is follow him. We don't know how it's going to turn out. But we know it's going to be for our good and it's going to be for his glory. So look what Peter did. He went out and what? Followed him. He did not know what, uh, that what was done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's thinking he's dreaming. And y'all ever have dreams that are real? <laughs> How many of y'all have those dreams where you're falling? Anybody have dreams where you're falling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, and anybody ever land in those dreams? No, yeah, that's a good thing. But I'm just saying, Peter, man, he's, he's there and he thinks he's dreaming. And he's following God in a dream. How many of y'all ever had a dream where you did something like totally like you would have never done in real life? Character-wise, you wake up you're like, oh, oh, I'm glad that's a dream because I'd have been so busted. <laughs> Anybody have those? I, I, I'm a you? I had some of those. But I would like to think that I would even follow God in a dream because I'm so enamored and so dedicated to him. And that's where Peter was, man. Peter thought that, man, he, he thought this was a dream and he knew nothing but to follow Christ or follow the angel. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. How many of you, if you woke up and you knew the iron gate was up there, you would be worrying the whole time from start till you got to the iron gate? How's the iron gate? How am I going to get the gate finished? How am I going to get it open? Who has the key? How many of y'all worry about things way up ahead before they ever even happen? Anybody here? That's not part of following, guys. Part of following is, yeah, if he puts it in your heart, you think about it, but you know what? The, the thing in following is just following, counting on him to do what he's going to do in all of this. And so what happened? Did Peter have to open the gate? Did Peter have to have the key? Did Peter have to do the combination? What happened to the gate, uh, Jack? Boom just open, man. How would you like to pull your hunting truck up and then that gate just open automatically? Wouldn't that be awesome on that lease? Yeah, man. You know, instead of having to get out and walk through it, mosquitoes, man, this time of year. Dude, it just opened. That's what God had it do. Real quick, we're going to finish this. They went out and went down one street and immediately the angel what? Left them hanging, dude. (laughs) Can you imagine? Hey, why would God leave at this point? Why would the angel just leave and leave Peter hanging there? What do you think? Yeah, that's all the angel was supposed to do. That's all he was going to do. So now you're Peter. You have just been bust. You're the most prominent prisoner in the most prominent week of Passover. And you are now busted out. And what happened if, like, there were guards right there and they found Peter out in the middle of the street? What do you think would happen? Yeah, dude, he's in big trouble, right? And so you're leading, and all of a sudden, God leaves you hanging. Ooh, anybody felt like God's ever left you hanging? Like, oh, dang, what do I do now? (laughs) You know, that's where he's at. What do I do now? I've been following. What do I do now? Well, how do you know? Hey, how do you know what to do next, Zane? You pray. You, you, you pray, and you're there, and like, what do I do next? Look what happens, man. He, he, he went down the street, and the, and the angel left him hanging right there. And if he needed that angel, the angel would have still been there. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now, okay, I know for certain the Lord has sent his angel. Okay, this was an angel. I woke up. He's pinching himself. I'm there. And he's delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of Jewish people. So... I'm pretty sure he's not leaving me here as a firing squad. All right. So he's, he's having this conversation. And by the way, what's the difference between prayer and worry? Help me out. What's the difference between prayer and worry? Who you're talking to. So he can be talking to himself as long as he's got God in on the conversation. And now it's prayer, right? And so here he is. So when he considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John whose surname was Mark. Mark was his assistant, the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And Mary must have been a rich lady, because that's where they worshipped, was at her house. And so they came there. And there were many gathered together doing what? Praying. Praying. Man, that's where the... Why did the chains fall off, Jack? Because they were... Why did the angels show up? Because they were... how How did he escape as the most guarded prisoner in the most prominent week? Because they were they were praying but yet for us we so think god i need you to do this and help me out if if if, if god you know i read this quote i think it's by warren Wearsby, and he said sometimes the reason we don't see stuff happen mm-hmm. is we pray with the an intensity that's so lacking we expect god to care more about our situation than we do you know why we pray earnestly you know why we cry out to god Is to show God we care a a lot about the situation and we want him to. But so, all right, God, go ahead and do it. And we want God to care more about it than we do. And dude, these people were praying earnestly. In fact, so hard that they didn't even recognize the fact of what was going on. So anyways, there were many together praying. Verse 13, as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. She's a servant girl. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't even open the gate. She ran and announced that Peter stood before the gate. So she comes and, yes, who's knocking? It's Peter. Peter! And she left him hanging and goes in and tells him, Peter! And what have they been praying for? Peter! Peter. And so they're, like, probably going to be saying, yes, God answered our prayers! Woo! God answered our prayers! But watch this, man. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. You're crazy. Uh, Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all are uh, God answer a prayer? And you're like, guess what? Guess what? God answered a prayer. (laughs) Have you ever been really surprised God answered a prayer? Oh, my goodness. You're never going to believe, Tom. You're never going to believe what God did. He answered a prayer. Don't we act that way sometimes? Dude, God answers prayers. It's where the power is. And so you're beside yourself. She kept insisting, and they said, No, it's his angel, because what the Jews believed at that time, the ones they believed in their in their tradition, that everybody had a guardian angel and your guardian angel could take on the form of you. It would look just like you. All right. Your guardian angel would look just like you and your guardian. angel And that's what they believed. Like, no, no, dude, that's his guardian angel, man. He's in there probably sobbing and crying right now. Now, Peter continued knocking. He's like, come on, guys. I'm out here. I need some protection. I'm the most prominent prisoner, the most prominent weak. And when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished because God answered a prayer, but motioned to them with his hand to keep silent. Because, dude, what do you think it sounded like when they all saw Peter? What do you think they all said on the count of three? One, two, three. Ah! Yeah, again. What, are these, what, what? Peter, yeah, one, two, three. Ah! Yeah, Peter! Peter! All right, yeah, seriously, let's make some commotion here. All right, knock on the door. And you're all praying for Peter to be rescued. And all of a sudden, Peter shows up. What are you going to say? One, two, three. Ah! Peter! Ah! And Peter's like, shh. <laughs> what are you guys, crazy? <laughs> you know who's looking for me? You know how many, yes, it's awesome, but be quiet. Right now is not the time to give God the glory, verbally, for all of this. And so he kept them, asked them to be quiet. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He testified as to what God did. And that's why God does miracles. He does miracles so you can tell other people what he's done for you. And they can help see life from God's perspective that way. And he said to him, go tell these things to James and to all the brethren. Now, this James happens to be the one that wrote the gospel of James or the book of James. And it happened to be Jesus half brother, who was really the pastor of the church in Jerusalem at the time. He said, go tell them, James, what God just did for me and let him tell all the brothers. And he, Peter, departed and went to another place. And you know what? Besides a brief encounter in a couple of chapters, Acts 15, we don't really ever see from Peter, anything about Peter again. You know what history and tradition tells us? That Peter and his wife actually went out and were evangelists just traveling around sharing the gospel, that that's what they were doing. We don't really know, but we don't hear much else about Peter. He went to another place. We don't even know where he went. And then as soon as it was day, i got to finish this last part, and then we'll be done just to see what happened to the guards and stuff. But we'll get back to our story. As soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. They're like, oh my goodness, this dude was chained to me. We were guarding this. How did this happen? He's gone. Because let me ask you a question. What happened to guards who let a prisoner escape? Yeah, what they actually did is whatever the prisoner's sentence was, was now imposed upon them. And Peter's sentence was, so guess what? Their sentence was now going to be death. And when Herod, Herod wasn't a real stable character. Herod probably had a temper, but when Herod had searched for Peter and not found him, he examined the guards, commanded they should be put to death, and went down from Judea to Caesarea, and he stayed there. And that's, and we'll pick that up next week when we get here. But the point that I want you guys to see is this. Again, man, you have valuable information, life-saving information. The only way God wants us to get this information out to people is through you. That's how he's getting that. How many of you came to Christ because somebody told you about it? Yeah, God, that's his plan. And so you've got life-saving information to get out. But every time we start getting that out, someone wants to put pressure on us to be quiet. Maybe it's even us in our own little meek nature. We want to put pressure and be scared. But the bottom line is it starts getting suppressed. So as it starts getting suppressed and, and pressure comes on us to be quiet... At that point, we know we're not happy inside because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're like my dog. You know what my dog right now is supposed to be doing? She's an 18-month-old German short-haired pointer. What's she supposed to be doing right now? She's supposed to be hunting. She's supposed to be running around. She's supposed to be bouncing off the bed. She's supposed to be like chasing cats in my yard and, and getting out, busting through the fence and chasing all the neighbor's cats and squirrels and birds and everything else. That's what she was bred for do you know what she's doing right now? She's Dude, she's in a cage with this cone on her head. <laughs> she's on, in the cage with this cone on her head. And I feel so bad for her. I know it's what she needs right now, but I feel so bad. How do you want to see her? Because you know what it reminds me of? When I see her in that cage with that cone on her head, it reminds me of me when I'm not doing what Christ has created me to do. When I'm trying to be anything but what Christ created me to do, she's miserable in there. And she maybe doesn't even have the intellect to know why she's miserable, the same way sometimes I don't. But we're miserable when we're not doing what Christ has called us to do. We are called to proclaim the message, the life-saving message. But just because it gets suppressed and we get persecuted doesn't mean we stop. We've got to receive power. And so help me out in this last part one more time. The power is in the prayers. All right. And with everything you got, man, what's the last part? Crank Crank it up. up. All right. So the power's in the prayers. We got to crank it up, guys. You're feeling weak. You're feeling lethargic. You're feeling pressured. You're feeling all the, it's just not there. I'm not feeling it. It's probably because you need to be cranked up. And I'm not talking about some superficial prayer before meal. James, the one who they now—does anybody remember what James, the brother of Jesus, uh, What his nickname was? Camel. Old camel knees. Oh, right. Yeah, old camel knees. I mean, he had baggy knees, man. It wasn't very attractive when he wore his mini skirt, but or mini tunic. But dude, <laughs> dude he he had camel knees. Why? Because the dude spent more time on his knees praying than he spent off of them. Go back and read some of the great revivals. Go read about the revivals and, and how often people just prayed all night long. And we wonder why our churches are powerless. I shared this with you not too long ago, but, but man, some young college guys back in the day wanted to meet Charles Haddon Spurgeon because they, they heard that, what a powerful preacher he was. And what a powerful church. And they were sitting outside the church waiting to get in, wanted to be first in line, kind of like on Black Friday. And, and they're out there, and all of a sudden, this old guy, they didn't even know who he was because they didn't see, know what it looked like. They just had heard about him. And this old guy goes, hey, guys, you guys want to see the, the, the heating system to this church? And they're like, well, we ain't doing nothing else. They thought they were going to see the pipes and the boilers and all of that stuff. And so they follow this old dude down into the basement of this church where they're waiting to get in to see Charles Haddon Spurgeon preach with power. And they, they go downstairs, and they're down there. And he's leading them past all this heating system. And he shows them a room where several hundred people are down in the basement praying. And he said, that's the heating system for this place. That's why the preaching is so powerful. That's why the hand of God is here, because these people are praying. That's where it's, and that guy who led him around happened to be Charles Haddon Spurgeon. When he got up to preach, there was such power, not because of who he was, Not even because of all those people praying, but because of who Christ was. But those people were calling on Christ to use him as a vessel to reach the universe at that point in time. And there was revival. So, you know, we got these things. We're always answering texts. We're always on Facebook. We're always on Snapchat. We're always answering emails. We're always on phone calls. We're always being distracted. And I wonder how much time we literally spent praying. That's where the power is, guys. It's in the prayer. And I want you guys to think about it today. Maybe turn off the TV. Maybe tonight, get beside your bed. Man, get beside your bed and just pray until you fall asleep. Get up early and spend time with God. Make time for prayer because that is where the power is. The power's in the prayer. One more time, what are we supposed to do? Crank it up! Let's pray. Father, I'm coming to you again in the name of jesus and i'm grateful to know that you listen to this prayer because of what jesus did on the cross and father um i pray that um you would show us how important it is to crank up this prayer life that without your power nothing spiritual can be accomplished and we need that power so diligent so desperately in our lives Father, show us where our lives are anemic and how to have that power come back in. Father, I pray that as we're sitting around doing nothing, thinking we're doing everything today, as we're sitting around wondering what to do next, where to go, how to do this, how to... Father, I pray many times today and every day coming, you would just kind of nudge us and speak to us and say, hey, how about getting alone and spending some time with me? Father, give us the desire and ability to spend massive quantities of time with you praying and praying for each other. Father, um, teach us how we need to be taught how to pray. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.